Welcome to the post-national championship edition of the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. Sure would have liked to have been talking about the Texas Longhorns in this podcast, but fortunately, I'm joined by two friends, Jim Beam and Randy Boone. <laughs> They're both going to try to help me get through this night. What's going on, Randy? Uh, not much, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, uh, I, went, I went through some frustrations watching that game, Michigan versus Washington. And uh, while I understand that Michigan has different personnel and a different approach, it was uh, frustrating nonetheless to see them put the clamps on a, a very good Washington Husky offense. Uh, yeah, very, very much so. Definitely, uh, definitely some things to be frustrated about and uh, definitely some things that, uh, yeah, well, Washington didn't really – some of it Michigan forced, some of it forced upon themselves, but they definitely didn't play as clean or uh, excellent of a game as they did this week as they did last week. So Penix finished 27 of 51 for 255, one touchdown, two interceptions. Washington, just as against Texas, ran for only 46 yards. Dylan Johnson went 11 for 33. However, what struck me, Randy, was the number of times they were able to move Penix off his spot, get substantial hits on him i think they they re-injured him in the fourth you saw that oh yeah and then uh basically muddied up everything for him so even the throws that Penix missed that were available it was because he was being flustered pressured hit pushed around and, and treated in ways that he's not accustomed to being treated oh absolutely yeah i mean he's he's never been well, i don't i didn't see all their games this year but you could tell he was he was obviously uh, affected by the by the pass rush and sometimes the lack of a pass rush that maybe you saw ghosts a little bit. But um, he he's always in the games that I've watched when he misses, he has a tendency to kind of lean back and miss high. Yeah. Um, and that that was on on display a couple times tonight. He had some wide open throws that he just flat out missed. That I mean, he wouldn't have missed last week. But like I said, uh, you can credit some of that to Michigan and and affecting him. Um, but he also, I think the hits took his toll and, uh, he probably was affected by that as well, but that's part of it. Other side of the ball, Michigan did what, if we had been able to be stubborn, uh, running the ball, Michigan ran for 307 yards, 8.7 yards per carry. Two guys go over a hundred. Donovan Edwards was over a hundred by like the middle of the first quarter, I think yeah, <laughs> two, on two, on two carries almost. Yeah. He basically just broke two runs, which is fitting with Donovan Edwards profile. Basically he's a, yep. a seam runner. Um, he's not going to run for much more than it's blocked, but if you block it right, he's gone. And uh, Corum sort of carried the heavy, heavy load. He's good. He's he very, he's good. very good. Very good in short spaces. And kind good of maximizer. Yep. Uh, probably not going to test great, but I think he'll find his way on an NFL team and, and not, he won't be the guy, but he'll be one of the guys. And yeah, no, uh, he'll be, he'll be good in like a three back rotation type. Uh, he'd be a offense. difficult dude to kick off your roster. If you're a coach. Yep. Um, yeah. The frustrating thing about that is of course, Texas did have success running the ball 6.4 yards per carry, but never was able to really get it established because of our, our own errors also getting out of, you know, I, I've documented on Inside Texas. If you guys want, aren't reading Inside Texas, you should be. But I wrote it in my postmortems. We, we got out ourselves out of running the ball through mistakes. 
Coach Sark also had a couple of possessions that he probably would yeah. like to have back where he got us out of running the ball. But yeah, I think I think he missed the big window to take advantage of it. But at the same time, I've I've always kind of been against the notion of oh we're down thirteen we got to throw the ball. One of the most miserable fan experiences of my life was watching Lincoln Riley run the ball up and down the field while they were down by thirty <laughs> against us. Yes, exactly. Fourteen yards of carry. So counter gaps. You you can still run the ball if you're down by thirteen, not with two minutes left, but. I under after the two fumbles late in the game, I, I completely get it. I mean, I I agree with what you said and what everybody else said. Um, I think that was a focus in the second half, and then we took ourselves out of it by coughing it up. Hey, but, speaking uh, of uh, yeah. time on the clock, I wanted to bring this up because I, I was wondering if you noticed it as well. I mean, it was sort of fate accompli at this point, but it was twenty seven thirteen, Michigan, Washington gets the ball with seven minutes. They they blew about two and a half minutes of clock on four plays. Like there was no urgency. They, they were, I mean, not just not, not running up to the ball that they were like getting, they were signaling in plays and taking deliberation, doing it. That was really weird to watch. Did you, did you kind of see that too? It was extremely strange. I was talking to my wife, uh, we're watching it and it, the play that they actually hit the big completion on where Michigan had four defenders to the, uh, the field side and somehow couldn't cover two. Um, you know, they go shift, motion, motion across to create a, a twins look. And I just looked at her. I was like, they just wasted 15 seconds, like setting this yeah. play up, which at the snap, I was like, did nothing. And then the two Michigan guys jump a five yard out and let the dude run a streak right down the field. And I was like, oh, okay, well, who's the idiot now? But uh, no, I thought that that was a pretty... I don't know if it's an overconfidence in the way you thought you're going to move the ball, but I don't know what in that game told you if you're the Washington offensive staff that you were just going to march that thing down the field. Well, it was kind of odd to me that uh, DeBoer didn't introduce pace earlier. Uh, just yeah. like, hey, they've got us dialed in. Let's not let Minter get his calls in because that's obviously giving us more trouble than our calls are giving them. Let's just play fast and see what we can do. Uh, I, I don't know if it would have worked, but mm. try. You know, yeah, try. I'd give it. I mean, it's one thing that me, you and I differ on is, you know, I'd rather my offense huddle and everybody actually know what's going on. But to your point, if everybody knows what's going on and you're getting your ass kicked, yeah, maybe try something else. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, no, I think, a, you know, a series or two of pace to. I mean, it's not like you didn't have a six-year quarterback back there and some badass wide receivers that could execute that if they wanted to. So I know it's not what they do, quote unquote. But um, yeah, probably probably looking back on it, I think they're gonna wish they would have changed something up a little bit because it wasn't wasn't working. Yeah, bittersweet characterized this portion. Like in totality, the Texas season was awesome. Uh, yes, on many levels, bittersweet encompasses my last these last two games watching texas lose to washington with the chance to win it and then of course watching uh you know michigan work over washington uh this this final four was a final four of matchups and styles making fights and yes texas lost to washington texas would have played michigan much better than washington so that's a regret the other regret is uh I bet Michigan to win the national title back in May and uh, got 13 to one odds. That's not bad. The bad news is I bet $6. 
<laughs> I was going to say, are you, is the Ferrari back in play? Do we need the to call Ferrari David up? The Ferrari is not in play unless it's a matchbox Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, when you and I do meet up somewhere in neutral territory, I guess somewhere near Amarillo, uh, I will treat you to your Applebee's or Chili's meal. Nice. Uh, you can order anything off the value menu. Perfect. That's, that's, where I, that's where I like to stay. You could have one margarita and anything off the value menu. I'll just, I'll just do the margarita. <laughs> Maybe a couple. Um, I, think, I think to your point there, it, you're saying it's bittersweet. I, th I think the Washington loss brought back all the memories of the failures and the lack of performance and execution over the season that we saw kind of all encapsulated into one game with the, with the motion penalties and just kind of the near misses of not making plays. And then I think watching this game was the man, if we'd have played anything close to an A game, we'd have had a shot in this game. Yes. And no then doubt. third, that's a selfish point on mine uh, by Michigan winning. My wife has now beat me in the bowl pick by five years in a row. <laughs> this, is, this is the best. And as no, it's not the best, Paul. It's absolutely related, not the best. It is the best. As you related to me on text, your wife's rationale was. I thought about not participating this year, but it's so fun to beat you in something that you spent so much time researching. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what she said. Why don't I have your wife on this podcast? She, you probably should. She's incredibly insightful, obviously. And and her in true Whitney fashion, she looked at me when the clock hit zero and just smiled and said, All right, have a good podcast. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's a quality wife. Yeah, she could have she could have rubbed it in on you very much so. But I guess five years in, you, there's really no need to rub it in anymore. huh? I'm just going. I don't know where she was. The first, I'm glad she wasn't <laughs> invited the first five. That's awesome. Terrible. You, you notice I opted out of your bowl pickup. Yes, you did. <laughs> wisely, because yes. I don't want to get beat by her as well <laughs> and have our credibility totally un, like destroyed because our listeners would be like, Who, who's this girl? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's find her, her in. See if she'll do a podcast. Oh, anyway, that's awesome. Hey, uh, one thing you guys need to always find if you're going to buy a house is a great mortgage broker. That was about a C plus level transition, but hey, we're off Texas playing a C plus level game, so that's when that's what you're going to get. Uh, EGAT listeners. Hey, the guy to call is Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at eight three two five five seven one zero nine five. Tremendous at what he does. Twenty years in the industry, he's been on all sides of the industry. He's owned a title company. He uh, has a law degree, really sharp, really cool guy. Hey, I got a really nice uh, email the other day from someone who was out of state. And it was one of the few states that Gabe was not able to help the guy out with. And because uh, Gabe can help out-of-state uh, consumers and out-of-state customers. And basically, Gabe just worked for free for this guy, looked over his deal, gave him a couple of negotiating points, and basically made the guy a couple of grand uh, because he was able to argue with the script Gabe gave him on his mortgage guy. And that mortgage guy like didn't know what hit him. So anyway, just cool dude, man. Just give him a call. Seriously, it's the kind of guy you want to do business with. He always takes care of the Longhorn community. 832-557-1095. And hey, interest rates are declining. Marry the house, date the rate. It's time to uh, date some new rates, folks. So, uh, and I think there's more coming soon. So reach out to him, start coming up with the financial plan. and. If you're talking about financial planning and you want to talk about the big picture, well, let's go up to our man, David McClellan, because 
you know, I really like David because he's incredibly sharp. He's got decades of experience working in the financial industry and the executive management side before he went into the uh, fiduciary financial advising uh, side, advising, advisor, <laughs> advisory side. And I only have one frustration with him. Uh, David was a multi-national championship swimmer at University of Texas. I have proposed to him in order to drum up business that he race a hippo in a standard Olympic pool. Oh, in water. Okay. In water, yes. Now, hippos can <laughs> swim. No, that's what I was, I was confused. I, or I'm not confused. I was like, I don't know where you're going with this. But Well, and the thing is, the hippo would not be like separated from him. So there is some peril. I mean, and also hippos are much faster than you think. But I just think the power of that PR would get him so many customers. Now, David very soberly responded that he didn't want to die. And then also it wouldn't attract the kind of customer he wants, which I think he has a good point. Probably people who watch hippo races would not be the people with the kind of wealth that David is looking to help manage. Uh, so I don't know. I just think like the guy's a killjoy, like as awesome as he is at what he does. I just feel like it's a bummer. So if you're going to reach out to him, there's two reasons to reach out to him. One, to, to push the hippo narrative. Two, to get a half-hour consultation at 312-933-8823. That's 312-933-8823. If you won't do this hippo stuff, at least make him give you outstanding financial advice. And then from there, if you guys feel like it's a mutual fit, hey, I'll leave you two to go figure it out. Uh, if it's not a fit, guess what? You just got 30 minutes of badass advice from a guy who knows his stuff cold. Does that sound like a reasonable proposition, Randy? Everything outside the hippo race, yep. Everything outside the hippo race. <laughs> I still feel like that it would just get good PR. More, okay, here's the truth. It would help the podcast more than it would help. David. I was to say, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, Paul. <laughs> all right, all right. You've, you've unveiled my self, selfish motives just by being cool and hanging back and not commenting. Uh, man, hey, I am, uh, I'm actually punchy because as I was trying to watch the national title, I spent three and a half hours tutoring my 10-year-old son on math, specifically double-digit multiplication, which they've been working on for apparently weeks, and he apparently just zones out the entire time during that segment. So he knew none of it, didn't understand it. And guess who else forgot how to do double-digit math multiplication? I would assume you probably. Yeah, carrying the ones, carrying the sevens. I well, forgot all that part. The way they do it now is completely different too. Well, that's on half of their rules too, so it's like I, it doesn't even matter if you forgot or not. You never knew how to do it to begin with. That yeah, way. that's like the new math stuff is buffoonery, and that's for another podcast. But yeah, uh, well, yeah we that's we how I got that much spend, time. That's how I got to spend my night, and I'm a little punch drunk. So, uh, but he did show dramatic improvement. So good job, son. But uh, what does Texas need to do to show dramatic improvement in 2024 AD? Uh, I mean, I think the offensive line needs to take a step, um, a little more dominant run blocking. Um, I think there'll be sufficient pass blocking. Um, looks, just looks like we're returning all five, seen. right? Are we? Looks like we're returning all five. Jones too. Oh, except for Christian Jones. Yeah. Oh, I was about to say, I didn't know that was a possibility, but yeah, no, I think you're returning four and I think there'll be healthy competition at, at some of the returning spots as well. Yep. Um, so I'd like to see a step there. Um, I think, you know, progression out of Ewers, hopefully he makes the big second to third year jump that, uh, you've seen over the course of the, um, you know, multiple quarterbacks over the last few years, uh, 
everywhere, really. Um, and then defensively, just I think you got to make more plays. I mean, I, I think you're probably going to take a step back against the run, but I, there are times this year that it wouldn't have. Uh, I would have traded a little bit of run defense excellence for some playmaking and uh, and past awareness. As the uh, greatest proponent of the Texas dime, uh, yes. trying to wish that into existence, <laughs> a formation which, by its definition, will concede a little bit of the run in order to gang up on the pass. Uh, by the way, Michigan on third and oh, long, yeah. y'all y'all check the formation. It's a dime with a four man box. So anyway, uh, I, I think I'm not saying we're going to install it, but I do think we need to figure out some stuff on the back end and specifically. I don't just mean the maturation and development of the individual players. I think we need some schematic answers specifically. I I agree with that. I I think some higher base level athleticism on the back end helps as well. well. Um, Because two two things that really stood out to me from the Texas game and then what you saw tonight is look at almost every deep ball with the exception of the ones that were, you know, pretty much either bust or, or wide open. Michigan's defensive backs are pushing hard toward the sideline on all those vertical routes. I mean, oh, yes. it, they are pushing hard toward the sideline. And as, as good as Penix was against us, it's easier to drop a ball in a bucket with a 10-yard window as opposed to a four-yard window. Um, so, look at so Dave, Randy, I can think, we develop that for a moment just for listeners who are not yep. as – so when people are running a fly or even a fade, the amount of green – before you hit the sideline can determine a lot of the efficacy of the route. I'm not, I'm not talking about the green space in front of you. I mean, do you have five yards to work with before you hit the sideline? Or do you have uh, 18 inches as Washington's yep. receivers had many times tonight? And do you think that's just a function of confident, good corners that are also athletic? Or do you think that there's something deeper in the scheme that Michigan teaches that's a little next level? I would say it's experience there mostly, but it could be a scheme thing because I'm not, I mean, sometimes I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, as far as what, uh, what our teaching points are there, I guess, so to speak. Yep. But um, I mean, there's a lot, you know, you see a lot of times, well, there's nothing more you can ask for there. It's like, no, you can like, yeah. he didn't get his hands on him at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. yeah. Maybe made him stutter a little bit, but he didn't reroute him. He ran where he wanted and, had 10 yards out to the side because a lot of times, and I hate giving away the secret as an ex quarterback. It's not so much the quarterback dropping a dime. Is it you're putting the ball in an advantageous situation and a good receiver makes you look really good by yeah. just sort of playing the ball, getting your body into the corner or the, the DB a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that as a, as a focal point of using that sideline a little bit more aggressively. Are you concerned and, about our receivers in 2024? Uh, only, I, not from a talent standpoint, I don't think. I just, I, I'm not as familiar with Golden as I'd like to be because the only really time I saw him this year was against us. Um, and then I think we have talented young receivers. It's just one of those deals where, I mean, you've seen numerous talented players come through this program. It's just they haven't done it and haven't proven it yet. So do I think they can? Yes. Would I feel better if they had? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great way to frame it. Uh, I have watched Golden some beyond just our game, and uh, he's good. He's dynamic. He's a, he's a high-level athlete. 
he's got hands. He can do stuff after the catch. Uh, the main thing I'd say is he's a thoroughbred. And thoroughbreds are always getting nicked and dinged. Yep. He is not a plow horse. So we got to find a way to either get him a good off season and get some of that addressed, or we just got to treat him as not a, he's not going to be an 80 catch guy. Let's, okay. let's leave it at that. Um, we got to add a, a guy or two, I think. Um, oh, I, I, yeah, I think that's a, a given. Would, would you be shocked if John Tay Cook just broke out and had 65 catches for 900 yards and nine touchdowns next year? No, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. But I was, also wouldn't be shocked if he struggled and had a – I don't think he's going to have a bad – I think he's too talented to be unreliable and poor. Yep. Uh, but if he just had kind of like your one of the middle first year up, down, inconsistent, that wouldn't shock me either. But no, I, yeah, him going off and going crazy, no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me either really. Same. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, hey, <laughs> I got to circle back. I know we're all over the place, but before we jumped on, I said, uh, were you a little, I mean, I knew it going in, but were you a little shocked at how remedial Michigan's passing game was? And you said, I think remedial is pretty kind description. Could, could you elaborate on that? Uh, I mean, it, I mean it ain't exactly, it ain't exactly. So here's the Michigan thing people used to sell, right? We just throw enough this is a style of play there's a, we only throw 18 passes because that's how we've decided the best way to win with our defense and running game no you throw that many times because your staff is scared of jj mccarthy and 100%. you don't have very good receivers and i don't think you can pass protect very well no i mean it's it's funny too like as creative as they are in the run game with establishing advantageous angles and scheme and whatever it's just they don't care. <laughs> they, well, they're so like, you know hey, we, that's we, it, we don't trust him, so we're not going to go crazy. I mean, I think the most, the craziest pass play they ran where they threw it to the quote unquote tight end that's skinnier than me or you both. Love the guy from uh, Idaho Loveland? or whatever. Yeah, Loveland yeah. or whatever. They're like, tight end. I was like, that dude's not a tight end. You can call him whatever you want to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, that was a pretty creative scheme to get him open, but it was still a, I mean, essentially a four yard seam route. Um, yeah, no, no they just, they just, they're scared to death of him. They don't trust him. I think you hit on it. They, they have a, you have a finite amount of time and energy and resources as a coach. Mm -hmm. So, where are we going to spend our, our scheming energy? And Michigan says, we're going to spend our scheming energy on run plays and weird, crazy formations and outnumbering and weird angles and motions and reverse back blocking and, we're going to uh, block a zone on this side and counter on the backside and yeah. give the back a two right. You know, I think they just burn up all their energy and time on the run game. And then they compliment the pass game off it and just say, JJ, don't, don't lose the game. If, if you were looking at your, your time chart before the week and you know, which, which one of these is more advantageous uh, use of our time. Do we scheme up how to make Donovan Edwards's six touches in the run game? crease yes or, or do we try to get a one-on-one -on -one with cornelius johnson right that he may win or may not and we got to make a good throw i mean turn around and hand it to edwards look pretty good on the two early ones they did so no i think you're right i, I think it's uh i mean I, I don't i've never seen their oc in a dynamic passing offense but he hasn't had to you think that's could this have been jim harbaugh's last game Man, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Really? You think he's going to NFL? 
I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Yeah. I, I don't, I have no reason other than just personal intuition to think that, but, um, yeah, yeah I think, I think he's done with all the, the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, just, can I just coach ball, please? Thank you. You know, I heard an interesting point from someone and I wish I could credit that person. I, I, I literally, I just, I think I was just spamming podcasts and walking my dogs and I didn't know who said it. I think it was a gambling podcast, but a guy said, uh, Hey, you know, the time suck of being a college football head coach is much more substantial than the NFL. And you know, the NFL is more intensive. And he said, you know, it's, it's, it's harder because there's less margin between the the teams, obviously, um, you know, the worst, the best team in the NFL can go out and get their ass beat by the worst. Uh, that just doesn't happen in college, right? Correct. And but he said, from a pure time suck perspective, the NFL has an off season. Like as oh, a head yeah. coach, you you get to go down to your boat in Key West for six weeks or whatever it is. Yeah, I right? mean, you, you know, say you put in a ten hour day, you're done. Yeah. You don't put in a 10 hour day game planning and practice and this and okay, now I got to go pick up my phone and text all these recruits back. And I have to woo a bunch of 17 year olds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's uh, yeah, I I can only imagine what the, what a Steve Sarkeesian day entails from a planning standpoint. Well, we got a sense of it in the bowl season and here's why Uh, Hugh freeze head coach of the mighty Auburn tiger Eagles. Uh, played Maryland in a bowl. Maryland was without Tagovailoa. And uh, they got their asses beat by Maryland, almost as bad as they got their asses beat by New Mexico State. And Hugh Freeze was interviewed, and he said, I didn't even look at the offensive game plan. I didn't look at any of the game plans. I was out recruiting the whole time. Points for honesty. Yeah, kudos, I guess. Congrats. (laughs) But it does show that there is a limit to your multitasking. Yeah. And, you know... You could argue if you're an Auburn fan, and that's how a lot of these lunatics took it. Hey, you know what? We're sorry we got accumulated in this bowl, but that's Hugh Freeze actually spent his time correctly. Because if yes. we're going to get the thing turned around, it's not going to be because we beat Maryland in the in the whatever bowl. It's going to be because yep. we signed a freaking top ten recruiting class, which Auburn's about to sign. No, it's it's absolutely a correct use of time. It's just sort of crazy to think of it as being true. You would like to like uh, maybe look at this game plan for an hour, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, on a plane ride. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> you're on an airplane or in a car or something. I had a, <laughs> we had, this came up one point in time where we were having trouble getting an answer out of uh, a particular company, and the the guy's excuse as to why he didn't return a phone call was because he'd been driving back and forth to Dallas a lot. Well, there you go. It's like what. <laughs> Well, there's no there's no cell phone towers between <laughs> right. Dallas and, and yeah, so. Bernie, Texas, or wherever he was. Right. So yeah, little yeah. You you would think he'd probably made a little bit of time for it, but it's a uh, it's definitely a, a stress on somebody's ability to manage time. Yeah, I I uh, I remember. Um, so a a woman I dated, her boss is a pretty wealthy guy and they he's in New York city and uh, he has a driver that takes him into work. 
And I was kind of teasing him about it and joking like, oh, a driver. Oh, I know. And he was like, no, no, it's a time. It's like I work the whole time. It's, it's ridiculous commute. It's stupid. I'm not going to get any work done if I drive myself. He's like, I prefer that. But for an hour and 10 minutes from upstate Westchester, New York to New York City, each commute, I got two hours and 20 minutes of work done. And by the way, I'm sitting in the back seat, so no one can interrupt me. No one can walk in my office. I can yep. get all my calls in. I can get stuff done. I've got a little like fold out desk or whatever. And I was like, huh, okay, well, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why you have a driver and I don't. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. So Randy, what's your takeaway from that anecdote? Uh, that you're going to use the $27 that you won gambling this year to try and hire a driver. No, you drive all the time. You got to get a driver, man. That is when I do all my phone calls because nobody yeah. can bother you. Yeah. You got to get a driver. I think, I think we're going to need to get into a different financial. What, what you do situation. is you go, the driver drives, you get in the bed of the pickup truck. <laughs> You have all your papers in the bed. <laughs> Be careful. Just, they might blow out. They made a movie have, about this. You need to have several thousand paperweights to put on each individual paper as you're doing your financial reconciliations. I don't know, man. I, I'm just an idea guy, Randy. Yeah, it could I'm be. just an could idea guy. <laughs> all right. You got any uh, bright ideas or anything you want to get off your chest about Texas Longhorns, about the season that was? Uh about how J.J. McCarthy may not be a top 10 NFL draft pick, as some gurus had proposed. He, he probably will be, but I don't, I don't see not. it working. I don't no. see it working. No, somebody's going to – somebody he's going to do something stupid, and somebody's going to pick him high for no reason because he's a quarterback. No. It's, it's, but I don't know. I just resign to the fact that that just happens now for no reason. But hey, I, I don't what about see our, it. What about our guy, Will Howard, landing at Ohio State? Is that not the weirdest thing? I mean, we t playing Texas essentially got that dude a very nice paying NIL gig. One half. Well, even last year. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, he he, well. if they wouldn't have started Martinez last year, they probably would have beat us last year. So, yeah. It, he had a great second but half against. I'm not Texas. saying, I mean, he's not a bad, not a bad quarterback by any means, but I, I don't know that going into the portal season, if I was an Ohio state fan, I'd been like, you know who we want? Will Howard. <laughs> so that, that's, that was surprising to me, but I'll, I'm sure, I mean, I think he'll be fine, but I don't know that he's the, the end all be all answer that they're looking for, but could be wrong. Who knows? You know what, you know what fan base has had a little rough run recently, the Florida state Seminoles, uh, they get skipped over for the playoff. And by the way, they should have correctly. Uh, yep. They lose by 60. That's not related to why they should have been skipped over. That's I'm not equating that. Uh, and then the little quarterback shuffle happens in the offseason and they end up with uh, oh. uh, you're spinning the bottle. There's three models and then there's a girl, not quite a model, maybe mm. a little homely and the bottle keeps spinning at the last second. It just edges towards her. Say what he ain't Jordan Travis. He's not Jordan Travis. Um, yeah. EJ mm. Ungolele, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not even gonna try, but yeah, right. I, you like to mock my Taiga Vailoa pronunciation. So yeah, man, I I don't know. That's that, tough. That's, that's a tough one. He's not he's not bad. Actually, no, there, there's no, some similar. No. He's like Will Howard if Will Howard turned the ball over more. Yeah, true. right. 
they, they both can run. They're both. I, I think Will Howard's a more consistent thrower, isn't he? I would say so. Um, yeah, I, I would. I almost say he's a better runner. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean they're both big, powerful guys. Right. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't. If I was wearing a uh, headdress and doing a war chant right now, I don't think I would be too too thrilled about that one. But never know. Never know. How's uh? You have some ins with the Aggie community. Are they still stars in their eyes with Elko? Are they still in the honeymoon phase? Uh, yeah, I think it's still pretty well received. Um, I I think the and probably correctly so at this point is you know they're spinning it as you know development coaches more so than big time recruiters, which it's you know it's like anything else. You know you got you know. Democrat president goes to Republican, you go to this and you flip to the other side, run, you know, you hire an offensive coach, you hire a defensive coach, you hire the guy that does recruiting. But that's that's the 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 sales job that's being floated around on all their groups and whatnot is, you know, they're they're gonna recruit good football players and develop more so than just chase all these supposed big time players. So I don't know. Imagine but, if they hire him a driver, what he could accomplish. It's true. I don't know. What's an hour and 10 minute commute into College Station? <laughs> Tyler? Yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> you live anywhere. <laughs> but, uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I think one thing that you, you've pointed out over the season, and I've begun to notice it more and more, is um, one thing on defense – and it goes into an overall theme that we've touched on before is understanding of rules and what I have the freedom to do instead of going and running to the spot that I was taught to go to run to. Mm. Um, there's just too many times this year where we had people doing nothing essentially at the end of the play or yeah. and during the play. And I'm blitzing because I was supposed to blitz, but my timing was off and now I'm just hovering in no man's land or my zone coverage is just floating out in the middle of nowhere just a lot more basic understanding of general rules and freedoms within rules. Would it's, be nice. uh, it's the failure to find work. It's the correct. Yeah, absolutely. There's well the construction put. site and there's always the guy with, with the orange vest standing out in front near the cones, waving you fast. Like this is a construction site. And you're like, yeah, I know I can see that. Uh, yeah. Why are you here? I yeah. wasn't going to drive into your construction site because there's all these big orange cones and uh, there's lots of gravel piled up. And I, I know not to drive my car in the middle of it and say, hey, guys. Uh, yeah, we need we need less of those guys. And I mean, you hit on it on the big play in the Washington game, but it, it every almost every big play that's in my head right now throughout the course of the season is either some sort of communication communication bust in the secondary or that play that you're talking about where if you freeze frame it right before the quarterback throws the ball, there's four guys standing in space, just standing in space. Yeah. No man's land. That'd be one of the things that just a general improvement and understanding of overall concept on that side of the ball, I guess. And, that's if the overall concept is solid. 
which could be debatable <laughs> at times as well. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, let me ask you this. Do we expect modest improvement from year three Quinn Ewers? Significant improvement? Or like, whoa, who's this? Who's this monster dominating games? Or is Arch Manning going to beat him out in uh, spring practice as the Austin American Statesman seems to think? Yeah, no. Good, good job, Statesman. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was, a, yeah. Anyway, um, I think a lot of it deals with how he's able to add good weight and be more durable. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I think a lot of some of his shortcomings in the second half of the year were related to the fact that and everybody's playing banged up. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you're never going to go through a season 100% healthy. But I, I think there was some lack of arm strength coupled in with some of those. Oh, just look at how great his touch is throws. I don't know that he could rifle yeah. it in. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that one thing that you'll... You know, Tony Romo's kind of obsessed with this, talking about it sometimes. He'll get on a jag about it. And I actually think it's instructive because it teaches you something about quarterbacking. And he's very big on throwing the right ball. Like, oh, that ball needed to be, no, that needed to have zip on it. Why is he putting air under it? You know, or no, why are you trying to connect on that ball? Just put some air under it. He'll go find it. Like you got him beat. You know, I think that's part of the learning process of quarterbacks. You know, very few quarterbacks instinctively have that dialed in early in their careers. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. quite rare. And, I do think the last play of that Washington game was instructive. Yep. That's probably a ball you want to put a little speed on, get it out quicker and throw it to the front of the pylon. Yep. Right. And not just try to turn it into this pseudo fade jump ball. Well, it's almost the same thing he did on the touchdown where Mitchell somehow jumped twice, which I'm still trying to figure out how he (laughs) He, he did that. He like jumped and then jumped again while in the air, <laughs> which I've congratulations on that athleticism. Cause you I, do not I would like to, to be able to do try, that. You do not want to see me try to do it ever. Definitely not in my current state. Um, but that, that last, the last throw, it was almost like he, cause there was a stretch in the game where he made about three or four throws where he was too early. Yeah. And it was almost like that sort of gave him a little bit of pause there on that on that later drive because even the I, I'd have to go back and watch it, but I don't think that the ball he threw to Whittington was that's the throw I'm going to go. It, it it seemed a little late to me as well. So, but I don't, I, we're we're talking about this today, and I, maybe I'm misremembering things, but for the the people that don't see him making a big step because i think he's going to make a pretty significant one how big you know ultimately come down to him over the offseason what's the best soft like i'm going to call him a true sophomore because my mind he is what's the best sophomore quarterback season in recent memory oh wow i mean joe joe burrow was not good as a junior he was decent as a junior before he went nuts yeah as a true second year guy that really i mean so trevor lawrence 
Yeah, I mean, he's really good as a freshman. So. He was really good as a freshman. I don't recall. I don't, think, I don't know. Year, but I, I'll, I'll throw his freshman year in there. Just saying, you know, early quarterback play. Let's, yeah, Trevor let's Lawrence is the best example of a guy who just yeah. hit early, right? Um, so, could you think to, of anyone else? I couldn't today when we were talking about it. Um, uh, I remember uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Being good, but not complete. He was kind of a turnover machine, right? Yeah, I mean, Colt back in the day. Colt uh, threw 17 interceptions. Yeah, threw a, was a sophomore or a freshman? Sophomore. As a freshman, he was awesome. Okay, yeah. hey, here, here's... You're right, uh, you're right, you're right. I got those backwards. Here's Trevor Lawrence's sophomore stats. Uh, 3,665 yards passing, over nine yards per attempt, 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, I mean, outstanding. Yeah. And then he rushed for 563 yards and nine touchdowns. That's dominant. Yeah. But just, I mean, like I said, big picture. Big picture quarterbacks as guy, get better as they get older. They get better as they get older. And for a second year player, I was a pretty damn good year. No doubt. Yeah, I, you know what would be fun to do, actually, is do a little, when we get a little more distance, and it doesn't hurt so much, Randy, <laughs> uh, we need to do a little overview of the year, just from a statistical profile. Because I think people would be surprised. Uh, like so, where this season ranked, you mean? Well, yeah, and also just like yeah, no, I agree. What, what guys' individual stats were. Like, <clears throat> I was surprised Worthy went over 1,000 yards. Yeah, like when, like when I saw people, that, I was like, "Wow, really?" So I, a lot just, of Texas fans, yeah, uh, thought Adonai Mitchell was our leading receiver. Yeah, he had all the touchdowns, but yeah, I mean, freaking Jonathan Brooks went over a thousand yards and missed. Yeah, wasn't five, the starter for two five games, freaking games or four yeah. games or something. Yeah, and he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um. So no, I yeah you, you I. The few things that I've looked back on from a statistical standpoint at the, you know, right now, just kind of looking at team stuff or, or seasons in general. And that's kind of what we got the, the viewers conversation going today was, I mean, dude, I mean, I, yes, I understand stats and don't get me started on that once again, but um, overall, I mean, it, it serves its purpose and yeah, there's throws here and there that, that he's going to get better and, and realize, but it's a lot better than some of the second year uh, performances we've had recently. No doubt. Uh, and I think actually he'll become more efficacious as a true drop back quarterback. I, I, yeah, I think that's his home. That's his comfort zone or it needs to be his comfort zone. I think. Well, he was at his best off play action this year. Yeah, I agree this year, not the big play action, deep shots, but no, just, just yeah, RPO, yeah. basic play action, yeah. uh, screen I, fake screen here you know real yeah. screen over there that kind of stuff i i think his next level of development is right. hey it's third and seven you just got to drop back and throw it to the open guy man and you got to make a couple reads yep and if you can do that in the college game keep those sticks alive that's pretty powerful so no nope, i agree that's what I, I i think he's got to make that his comfort zone to where you know no you know i'm not saying every third and 12 he's like mm, got this but <laughs> yeah, you know, if if we're in third and six, he he needs to be pretty confident in his ability to just let something, you know, find a hole in the zone or 
do whatever he needs to do. But that that needs to be an advantage down for us next year as much as it can be. Agreed. You're not you're not going to pick them all up, obviously, but you don't need to get you shouldn't need Sark to save you in third and six with some crazy play call. No. No, sometimes just hey, we're in four wide, drop back, throw it to the open guy. Let's go. Yep. Nine yards, move the sticks. Yep. I think a guy that's got a lot of upside, he certainly showed it tangibly later in the year. Jaden Blue. I'm excited yep. about him. He's got some burst, man. And as he's matured, he's also getting it up in there. He's he's not just trying to bounce everything outside. Yeah, no, he. I thought he ran the ball extremely well, um, especially later in the year. And um, even even Baxter looked a little better there, a little more healthy at the end. Yeah, um, he did. I think an off season will do him do him a lot of good. Pad level a little bit, but but I, I don't know. In in choice, I trust. I mean, that dude's kind of got it figured out right now. Yeah, I know that. I'm excited to see. Uh, Wisner is it Wisner or Wisner? I think it's Wisner. Well, I don't. I've I, heard the it. Time, the times that I've that he flashed on film this year, I he kind of a dark horse candidate for me. Well, if you're the 185 pound finesse back and sprinting down on kickoff returns, or you know, like like a maniac, a kickoff coverage, I should say, and knocking people out, then I'm I'm in, I'm interested in subscribing to your newsletter. Like, I want to yep. see what you're about once you're mature because uh, that guy can move and uh, he's got that aggression and dog in him, which is always a good thing. So, yeah, I, I think we're getting talent, man. And it just, it, it, you're stacking talent the, you know, the way that it should be stacked at a, at a place like Texas. You know, you're, you're, you know, the whispers of people leaving are good players that, Nobody's, you know, man, I hate to see that guy go, but type reactions. Whereas, oh God, what we're not, we can't have an offensive line in the spring game, you know, <laughs> we're like, bereft. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I it's going to be a weird transition. I mean, look, NIL's just changed everything. Hmm? I mean, and, and not just NIL, but effectively open free agency. I mean, it's not, a, people are like, oh, it's like free agency. No, it's not. Free agency no. has contracts and like a period and you can't just declare yourself a free agent in the NFL. It doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, it's just crazy. And, and we're going to have to get used to the idea that a beloved veteran player who starts to see the prospects of his playing time diminish, they are going to affirmatively get out. Yep. And You've got a coaching staff that will enforce the vitality curve. Meaning, hey, we know that you've bled for this program and you started 20-something games for us. And you know what? You're a pretty good player. However, you've hit your ceiling. And this guy behind you, we think by game four next year, he's going to be better than you are now. So we're going to yeah, start. No, that, absolutely. Yeah. The conversation is, man, You know, we'd love to have you here. You yeah. can compete and Good program guy, and you'll be an excellent depth piece for us. But sorry, we see you getting twenty-five snaps instead of fifty-five. Yep. And the player goes, "Hmm. Well, I think I might go start at Oklahoma State." Well, and and a lot of times that player is going to be uh, maybe a little surprised by uh, what happens when they think that they are a hot free agent. 
True. I, think, I think a lot of people are getting uh, some real life lessons in this and it, it'll continue to do so. Like we've talked about this before, like this NIL stuff, the people are going to get this thing figured out to where, Oh, you're a running back and you no. like I can go find, I'll go find one. So there was a, a Florida state guy. Uh, I think he was a running back and he declared himself in the portal. And he's kind of like uh, one of these guys who was the, the, the talk of the spring kind of guy. Like he's not going to play this year because you've got good players ahead of him. Right. But he's excited. He's there. Trey Wisner, Wisner, Trey Wisner. Uh, he was like, Hey man, I want a deal. I want an NIL deal. And they're like, no, <laughs> you know, like, no, you haven't done anything. And we've got all these other dudes no. we're paying. And That's he said, all right, I'm going to the portal. He went in the portal and he's now at an HBCU. I think he's at Alcorn State. Yep. Like that's talk about a wake up call. It's like, hey, if you want your NIL deal, you have to do it the old fashioned way. Get on the field. Yeah, you go down to Publix and ask them if they, you know, you can sign autographs there. For yeah, <laughs> yeah 50, it's for fifty point. bucks a pop. <laughs> that's right. It's like when radio stations do the remote, yes. at like an HEB or like yeah. a Pluckers or something. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, brave new world. And they, you know, people are starting to connect the dots that NIL is not for people's name, image, likeness for, you know, by commercial advertisers. It's actually a, a funnel that's basically pay for play. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I won't say it's going to be cracked down on, but I do think people who try to like get a charity write off for that are going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, this will all, I mean, I said, the, I guess, regress to the mean a little bit, I think. Um, mainly because the people that have all this money that they're throwing around uh, tend to make pretty good decisions with said money. And uh, yeah, if you're cranking out a bunch of money for dudes that aren't maybe performing as well as they were then maybe you're a little less likely to give that much and i'm not it's not going anywhere i mean boosters give money to programs that are you know five and seven habitually to try and make them better i'm not saying it's going to stop but you know the number the numbers may uh may come back down to earth a little bit yeah i mean i know you don't like to talk about it but you know if you win a national championship at texas in a major sport like baseball I mean, you had an offshore account that people were putting money into, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I hadn't it's found okay. it yet. I hadn't found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't have the, you don't have the you don't have the electronic code. Yeah, it's one of those. It's a it's a trust fund. <laughs> once you once you've given once you've given three million dollars back to the universe, that's we'll right. Send you, we'll send you the code. <laughs> if Randy's once Randy turns fifty. And he's lived yeah. a good life, and he's worked hard, and not tried to live off the trust fund. Then we'll we'll give him yeah. the code. But yeah. until then, we need to make sure he makes something of himself. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I I do think that uh, a lot of lessons are taught through cautionary tales. Yep. And Texas A and M has been an amazing cautionary tale. That yeah, money's actually very valuable, but you got to spend it on the right stuff, the coaches and the players. Because they blew the coach, and they blew that the greatest recruiting class ever, right? It's in it's in 
shambles effectively. So, uh, this, what, it, what money do they use in Qatar? <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> like, what's the true story on this? Uh, who, who knows? All it's right. just, is it's just it's, slander, it's just, or is there really just, something uh, going on? Uh, who knows, man? It's just, it's an Aggie thing that because it's the it, Aggies, it just, I want to just believe fits. the worst. It's it the dumbest fits. thing possible. So weird. God. But who knows? It's just such a, I don't know. It's a weird marriage. But uh. well, so you know, Florida State is trying to use effectively venture capital to yeah. leave the ACC. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you read any of their their complaints or like. It's hilarious. Yeah. Also, the ACC grant of rights is not public. You're only allowed, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, you're only allowed to view it like it's like Scientology. You're only allowed to like view it at a viewing time period and like they hand you the document and you can't take pictures of it or reproduce it. Have you heard this? No, I have not. It's That's weird. The most crazy thing I've ever heard. I just That's on brand. It's unbelievable. The ACC is just bizarre crazy that's that's incredibly strange i don't know <laughs> it's, i gotta look it up i thought, I thought the qatar thing was the fun, the weirdest thing i, heard, <laughs> it's up there. I guess i guess not <laughs> it's up there uh um, the acc grant of rights is the uh was it declaration of independence in that nicholas cage movie when he tries we have, to, when he oh tries yeah to for it. sure <laughs> when we have the florida state seminoles presented by blackrock like that's how they're going to come out on the field right it's just nuts <laughs> Uh, just uh, like the, the, you know, the best part is that their arguments are just like, because uh, we want to leave and we're tired of getting screwed over. Yeah, their argument is like, dude, this place sucks. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it does suck, but you signed this contract. Yeah, yeah, we know, but dude, it really sucks. Will you let us out? <laughs> yeah, you have to pay us $9 billion. And they're like, well, we don't have $9 billion. This yeah. place sucks. Will you just let us out? <laughs> no, we're back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. their argument, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's hundred percent what it is. It's like, ah, uh, we don't like it. Sucks here. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like it. ACC's like, yeah. Oh well, you signed it, but well, they're like, show us our signature. No, you have to make a special appointment. <laughs> so weird. So stupid. God. Florida, Florida State's the equivalent of a college kid with landlord won't let him out of his lease. It's like, oh yeah, well, watch me trash your house. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, when I was a landlord, uh, if I had a, a young man of a certain age who's like, hey, bro, I need to get out of my lease, I'd be like, all right, I'll work with you. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll we'll let you. The answer was never like, ah, screw you. It's like, yeah, mm. yeah. he's going to take all the copper wiring out of your house, buddy. Yeah. Especially if he's an Oki. I don't think Florida State's going to get that treatment. No, I'm fascinated to see how it develops. But in any event, as stupid as all this stuff is, we have a podcast talking about it, Randy. So who's it's the real true? Yeah, who, yeah. Who's yeah? What's that make us? Oh man. Hey, I don't have much else to unload on. Uh, I do want to do a season retrospective in addition to looking forward, and then as uh, time progresses, we'll even talk some baseball. Nice. Nice. Are we going to be good this year or are we going to suck in baseball? Uh, I really haven't dove into it too much, but I think I think we'll be pretty solid. All right. Got some some, some question marks to answer. Head, All but right. That's always the case. Think about baseball. You just need to hit, pitch, and field. 
and score more runs than the other team. Well, yeah, I mean, let's not be it, simplistic. We've heard it before. We've heard let's not it. be simplistic, Randy. I'm just uh, leaving okay. it hit, pitch, and field. The run scoring will take care of itself. There you go. Do you, do you think pitching's the least important of the three three arms of baseball? No pun intended. No, because if you have good pitching, you don't have to field. <laughs> That's probably a good point. You have to no, hit, I just, you got to <clears throat> punch one in and win one zero. Still, you, yeah, you still you still got to score. You still got to do it. But yeah, I <laughs> I think uh, I'm a little biased on the pitching side there. I think you're actually correct. I I just try to randomly inflame you sometimes. It doesn't work. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna take a little more than that. I'm not. Hey, I'm not real... speaking of work, uh, I'm gonna be doing a one bedroom, not quite remodel, but like build out. I've got a ha- I've got a room in my house that, that wasn't built out completely. It's still it's got like the insulation and the yeah, walls I got are you. all built. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna need your advice on getting a contractor because I've only done a contractor sure. once in my life, and I got him through Laura Baker, realtor extraordinaire. You can reach her at five one two seven eight four zero five zero five. I got her. I got that contractor through Laura. He was amazing, like not on time early. Not clean up the work site like spotless, uh, like came in under budget. Like everything you hear is not possible with a contractor. That's the only I, contractor I've ever hired. And I think it's given me unrealistic expectations. I'd, I'd hire that guy again. Yeah, he doesn't live here. <laughs> I'd, I'd figure out a way to get him up. <laughs> I have literally offered, like, if that dude and some of his best workers want to come up here, I'll pay. Like they can come ski on my dime. Just do some <laughs> do some work like one weekend. Yeah. Uh, so I may be hitting you up for some remodel or build out advice. Do you have any quick advice on dealing with the contractor? Not in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, in general, are contractors that different? No, not really. All right. Find somebody that does what they say they're going to do. Okay. Well. It's, I know it's, it's speaking of overly simplistic, but based on the horror stories, I would say that one out of 10 people are able to do that. It's not easy. I mean, I, I mean, people, they, you know, the GCs of the world, and I mean, there's plenty of bad ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but when you're relying upon other people as much as, as those people, you know, it's, it's, it's up to them to really have good relationships that you can trust as the owner. Um, as much as it is that you trust them because you know unfortunately in this in this day and age you're basically as good as your subs are all right height of the texas summer i'm going to call you you're going to bring up the family you're going to stay at my house you're going to be my gc i'm down you're going to go hit the parking lot of home depot get you a work crew Uh, All right, Randy, I don't have anything else, man. You got anything else? uh, Yeah, my closing thought is going to be in the year 2024, the national champion quarterback went 10 of 18 for 140 yards. Uh, That's a a blow to all my grand theories about the importance of the quarterback in the passing game. Blows up pretty much everything. It does. Well, on that note, I want to thank Randy Boone. Man, hey, good catching up with you. Good talking with you. Yes, sir. Hope you, hope you had a great and blessed holidays. And for all of you, the same. Pretty awesome year for the University of Texas Longhorns. And yeah, it's perfectly okay if you watch this game and you said what well, might have been. We're all doing the same thing. It's all right. The idea is to just get back, make it happen. That's right. Till then, for Randy Boone, I'm Paul Bodlington saying, welcome. Welcome, everybody.
Interest rates are up and the market is tumultuous. And now more than ever, you need the best darn possible mortgage broker working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. And you can reach him at 832-557-1095. Or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. What makes Gabe so unique? Well, he's incredibly bright. He's a UT grad. He's got a law degree. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years, and he is a true mortgage broker. What does that mean? It means he can shop for the best deal at over 80 different lenders and find you the terms that best suit you. Most mortgage guys you talk to won't reveal that they have exactly one size fits all for you and exactly one conduit to get your loan. If you are in these hyper-competitive markets and you're in these markets that have frankly gotten a, less, a lot less friendly to the consumer, you need the best possible person working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. He has our full endorsement. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call.